The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Na, 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 come on! This episode of the Heat Check, we react to all of the trades. Well, most of the trades at the deadline. I wrote all the trades down. We'll see if we get a, get to them all. Harden. Harden was actually moved. Despite Steve Nash telling the world Harden was not being traded, he, he meant at that very moment that he was having that conversation. Uh, Maury got his wish. Congratulations to Terrell Maury for pulling out a rabbit from his hat. Ben Simmons. Congratulations to Ben Simmons. He is no longer rotting in some random high school Philadelphia gym, taking videos for Instagram of his sh- basketball shoes off, just his socks. He actually gets to play. He actually gets to look at his email and see money getting directly deposited into his bank account for the first time in uh, 2022. So many moves, Brock. So hit that beat. There was a potential for one of those trade deadlines that starts with a roar and goes out with a like a lamb. What is it? Like a starts like a lion and ends like a lamb. And we were like, it was maybe 11 a.m. day of the deadline, and we're like, what's happening? Where are these trades? There's nothing happening. Hopped on the Peloton just to get my mind right, and literally as I got on the Peloton, boom, 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 boom. Blackout, blackout, blackout. Trade, trade, this this trade, that trade, this trade, that trade. And then it happened. And then it happened in the battle between Brian Windhorst, Adrian Wojnarowski, Sham Sharanya. Boom. This is the bomb. This is the sound of the Shams bomb. Shams just scoops everyone, scoops Woj, scoops Wendy, scoops Haynes. There were some bubblings. Oh, negotiations getting clearer. Things are starting to come into fruition. Both sides starting to talk. We've been saying that, blah, blah, blah. Both sides, we've been hearing that for weeks. But no, trade comes down. Yes, sir. Harden goes to Philadelphia. Ben Simmons goes to Brooklyn. R you kidding me? This is the best possible situation for all NBA fans. If you love the tea and you love drama, I am telling you now, the where will Ben Simmons drama that's been feeding our news cycle for the last five, uh, seven, eight, nine months, whatever it's been, will pale in comparison to 
how the fuck did something three-headed monster between Harden, Kyrie, and KD dissolve so fast? Who was responsible for this? How did it happen? The investigative reporting and the tea that has already come out, I tell you what, delicious. Compared to like some where will Ben go? What's happening with Daryl Morey? That is nothing compared to this. So Brooklyn Nets, here's the trade. Brooklyn Nets receive Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, a 2022 first-round pick, completely unprotected, with the right to defer to 2023, a 2027 first-round pick, top eight protected through 2028, and becomes a, it becomes two seconds if it's not conveyed. The Philadelphia 76ers receive James Harden and Paul Millsap. I tell you what, I love everything about this, not just from a basketball perspective, because we'll get to that. But from a comedy perspective, this is just so much material. I don't even know what to get to first. First and foremost, the fact that Woj was so blatantly wrong for so long about this trade not happening and us as a collective finally understanding that the hero has stuck around long enough to be the villain is tremendous. We all now collectively understand that Woj is for the man. He's not for the culture or for the people. And I hear it on Twitter time after time after time. Take this, Woj. Sham's got you, Woj. So that was hilarious. Hilarious to see Windhorse and Woj literally sparring on national television, basically being like, I told you so, Woj, you're... Obviously, your sources are lying to you, or you have bad sources, whatever that is, I love. Also, how this all ended up happening, Harden wouldn't ask out for a trade because he was apparently worried about the public backlash of publicly asking for one, even though we're pretty certain and confident he asked out if he's being traded. Like, it wasn't a public announcement or a skewering like he gave us on national TV, but that was shocking. For him to say this team's not close to competing under any circumstances, of course I didn't see that happening for the Nets, right? This team is close. They played 16 games together, all three. They've won 13 out of those 16, right? So, okay. Secondarily, now the news is coming out that Kyrie and Harden didn't like each other. (gasps) Gasp. (laughs) Are you shocked? I am absolutely baffled that a man like James Harden, a simple man with simple desires, fried food, strip clubs, and basketball, would not get along with a man who believed that the earth was flat, that sticking up for the world, his duty was to not be vaccinated, to show the world that people should not be persecuted or admonished, or reap the consequences at work for not getting vaccinated. He believed that that was social justice. He burns sage whenever he goes to an arena. He's on Instagram Live posting weird things about how he knew Kevin Durant in a past life. Like, James Harden's looking at Kyrie Irving like, what are you talking about, guy? Like, I just want to hoop, and you are fucking up my plans to hoop. James Harden, of course, got there to be on a three-headed monster. And all of a sudden, he looks around and he's like, 
this is a colder version of Houston with more taxes. <laughs> like, I am now paying somehow 15% more in taxes. Kevin Durant is injured. Kyrie's never here. He's talking about how he's saving the world by not getting vaccinated. And all I can think about is, listen, I did not come here for this. Also, uh, apparently Kyrie Irving was, quote-unquote, eager to see James Harden also be traded per Joe Varden. He said Irving was ready for Harden to move on too. When Irving heard Harden was in fact hoping to be traded, a well-placed source says he was eager to see it come to fruition as well. Hmm. Yeah, there is a new report by a not-so-credible source, but a Brooklyn Nets executive says the growing rift between Kyrie and Harden. Uh, this is ball sack sports, so take it with a grain of, of salt. That's the one that was also quoting things that actually came true about Daryl Morey, so whatever you want to say. Kyrie, this is the quote, Kyrie beat James Harden one-on-one almost every day in practice, and Kyrie was barely even in basketball shape. It demoralized Harden. Things reached a breaking point when Kyrie called Harden washed after completely locking him up in one scrimmage. An assistant had to break the two up as tempers flared, and the relationship (laughs) spiraled down from there. Sheesh! There's just so much. I don't even understand it. Another thing that was hilarious to me was that Kevin Durant had to go on national TV and basically draft his all-star team minutes after this happened and there's two spots left and Kevin Durant has the choice between James Harden and the pariah of the NBA in terms of popularity Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert for the last I don't know how many years has been picked last at the all-star game. It's become a thing. It's become kind of like a a ritual, like a a part of the All-Star game. Utah players always get chosen last, and Rudy Gobert is always the last pick chosen. Always. Always, always, always. Not this time. Apparently, Kevin Durant needed, needed Rudy Gobert to help face this LeBron-led roster. Uh, and this is what he had to say. Timer. Oh, First timer in his well, sixth well, Katie, season. I'm going to help Katie out. Katie just needs size right now to me. Oh, I think oh, remember last yeah. time. Remember yeah, last, year, needs, remember yeah, last yeah. year LeBron said he needed size no, he for the 6'2 guy. No, he needs size. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to need some size for yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm going to need some size and um, <laughs> you know, some defense in the interior. Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah. with Giannis and LeBron James Without playing question. such great basketball this year. I need somebody to offset that, so I'm going to go with uh, Rudy Gobert. I agree. I agree. That worked worked out nicely for you. That worked out nicely. I mean, you can't let people run. Pause. First and foremost, you must Google this video. This is not something that is done justice by audio because it's a screen. It's a half screen of Braun on the left and Katie on the right, and LeBron somehow procured a clipboard that he could put over his face to hide him laughing at a deadpan Kevin Durant say, yeah, I need some size for show. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take, uh, I need to have somebody, just straight face, I need somebody to, to guard uh, LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo and uh, all those other big boys. So, yeah, I need, I need Rudy Gobert. And, and Braun is 
losing it. So now Braun has to choose Harden because he's the last guy left. Here's what they have to say after. <laughs> Ask somebody defending back there. Hey, let's check. Let's not check us. Mm -hmm. Hey, that's a hey, hey, when somebody won't out, you let them go. Don't let them come back. I'm with you, KD. Yeah, that's why I cut my hair off. <laughs> I was like, I'm gone. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, James Harden goes to uh, LeBron, James. LeBron James as the final selection uh, of the All-Star yeah. draft. Shaq. Is he, can he, is he, is he, he hasn't played. Is he healthy? Who's that? James, he hasn't played. Do he's we, he's like missed. What happens if he doesn't? Oh, he got traded. He's healthy now. He's missed the last three with a with a hammy. <laughs> <laughs> See, and now we know why LeBron carries hey, a clipboard hey, with hey. him to the uh, to the hey, draft. Hey, LeBron! Oh my God! Trust me, right man. now he's rubbing some ice hot on that thing. He's playing the next game. <laughs> no questions. <laughs> I can't. I can't KD just oh next year God. bring a clipboard. It, it comes in. It comes in very handy. Yeah, you uh, have to. You can hide your face. <laughs> oh my God! Is he healthy? Is he? What happens if he doesn't play? And they just say right to his face, "Yeah, uh, he hasn't been playing because he's been trying to get the fuck out of Brooklyn." And KD's just laughing. Laughing, he's been scorned. A dynasty has been split up, and he's like, I do not care. I do not care about that man. I played with him at Oklahoma City, and uh, bye. Bye, bitch. If you want to go, then go. So that's hilarious. Uh, from a basketball perspective, I think this is the best thing for both sides. Like, you needed to get rid of Ben. Ben was rotting. James obviously didn't want to stay. And this was one of those circumstances where it was mutually assured destruction if the deal didn't go down. You needed this deal to happen. What happens for Brooklyn if James just decides to opt out of his player player option and then decide to be a free agent or force his way to be traded? And maybe by that point, Ben Simmons is already gone. And so you end up with Tobias Harris. Like, you don't like that. You've got no leverage, right? And then for Philly, what happens if Joel Embiid next year isn't this version of Joel Embiid? Joel Embiid right now is playing the best basketball of his life. And for the next 25 games, I think we can, we can like realistically assume that will continue. Can I assume that that will continue next October? No. What happens if he all of a sudden gets back on the, on the uh, Shirley Temple train? What if he starts housing 15 Shirley Temples a night like he used to? Who knows? He might break down. So, okay, so you get James Harden in the offseason, and then who knows how that goes. And maybe you can't move him. Maybe you don't have cap space for him. Maybe nobody wants to take Tobias Harris. Maybe they don't want Ben Simmons. Like, it was one of those situations where how rare is it for a, an Atlantic division rival to help each other out, to logistically get better for both sides, for your rivals to be harder to beat come playoff time. That's how bad the situation was. They had no other moves, zero moves. And for Philly, Joel Embiid playing his best basketball has never had a playmaker and a scorer like James in his life, period. If James Harden is even a semblance of who he was when he first got to Brooklyn, or better yet, a version of what he was in Houston, and Joel Embiid just continues to play at the level that he's playing at now, and then you've got uh, spreading the floor with Matisse Thybul, you've got Danny Green, you've got Furkan Korkmaz, uh, you've got George Nang, all capable guys who can shoot, and a guy in Matisse Thybul who can help out James Harden defensively. This team is one of the most unstoppable duos, two-man, pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop teams that you will see. 
Joel Embiid is the most dominant in the interior, and if James is even a fraction of himself, all he has to do is be a, a threat to score when they go into the two-man game. I love this for, for Philly. And then for Brooklyn, I mean, this is tremendous. You get depth. You get defense, which is sorely needed. You were giving up 150 points per game at some points. Like, I was seeing regularly live totals on Vegas, uh, 240 combined points. That's absolutely bonkers. And now you also get another shooter with Seth Curry since Joe Harris is out with an ankle injury. You need that. You get also a capable backup big man in Andre Drummond who is playing really well this year. He's been playing great as Joel Embiid's backup. When Joel Embiid went down with COVID, he was averaging double figures in rebounds and double figures in points. This is a win. Plus, you get two of those first-round draft picks back. That if James Harden walks, you've literally given up four first rounds and four pick swaps, and you got rid of Jared Allen, and you got rid of Karis LeVert, and you got rid of Torian Prince. Like, let it be known. That would have been so bad for Sean Marks, so bad for that organization. And Joe Sy, a, a billionaire who all he wants to do is win, would have been disastrous. So I love it from the basketball perspective. Who do I think has the best chance of winning a title? I think it just remains to be seen. I need to see the level that Ben and James are playing at and how that works with KD and how that works with Joel before I make a prediction. But I tell you what, both sides got better. Uh, Another trade that went down that was puzzling, Kristaps Porzingis for Spencer Dinwiddie and Bertans. I'll just say this. All you can really take from this trade is that Luka wanted Kristaps the fuck out. That's that's all you need to know. Like he's like, I'll take another guy that'll shoot corner threes. That's fine. I don't care that he's a shell of himself. I'll get him the ball in his spots. I'll make sure he's comfortable. And in terms of Spencer Dinwiddie, let him and Mark Cuban talk NFTs. And like they can chill. He can sit in the in the middle of the bench for all I care. He can be my backup. He can be a backup point guard. He's quite capable of scoring off the bench. We can make him a six-man. I don't care. Let him be an overpaid six-man. Because we got an overpaid big in Kristaps Porzingis. I do not care. A lot of people are calling this a bad trade for Dallas. But you know what? There's an old saying. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And in Dallas, if Luka ain't happy, nobody is happy. So that's an interesting, interesting trade. Also, Ish Smith comes to Washington for Montrez Harrell. Charlotte, Charlotte Hornets receive Montrez Harrell. Washington Wizards receive Ish Smith and Vernon Carey Jr. Interesting move. Interesting move because, quite clearly, owner of the Washington Wizards, Ted Leonsis, has a particular type. I ain't got no type. High character guys are the only thing that I like. He wants to build culture in a very specific way. And I don't know what. This means how you want to read into it is up to you. But Montrez Harrell and his grill and his swag and his moves and his attitude on and off the court do not fit to what Ted Leonsis wants in a player. That is for sure. Same thing with Aaron Holiday. Aaron Holiday walked out the door for cash. We'll get to that trade in a bit. But Phoenix ended up just giving him some skrill. And all of a sudden, they let him go. A very capable guard who was a part of a massive trade this offseason and was seen as a lockdown defender, one of the better defenders on that team from the point guard spot. All of a sudden, Phoenix gets him 
for absolutely nothing. For Charlotte, I love this. Montrose Harrell is one of my favorite players. Like, one of the best backup bigs. He can play. He was a sixth man of the year. And you just got rid of him because you needed a point guard for Bradley Beal, who was like, okay, Ishmael's okay. He can distribute. He's a fine young player. He's having a good year in Charlotte. Good for Washington. Very, very very strange trade. Uh, Derek White for Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford. Boston Celtics receive... Uh, Derek White from the San Antonio Spurs. San Antonio Spurs receive Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, a 2022 first-round pick, top four protection. I don't know, man. I don't know. I thought about this a lot. This could go one of two ways. Derek White could be the panacea, a two-way player, a big-bodied guard who can fit with Marcus Smart, but both of them don't shoot. Uh, Derek White makes a lot of money. Uh, I don't know. This is a very interesting trade because you just gave up Boston. Boston just gave up more first-round picks. And they gave up Romeo Langford, who they took very early in the draft quite recently. I'm not quite sold on that. Uh, This is what Brad Stevens said. He's been thinking about Derek White being a fit for a while now. He said, we've thought for years Derek was a really good fit with our best players. He's an excellent defender. He makes the right play on offense over and over. He's a guy that only cares about winning. He will do all of the little things. Can't quite properly evaluate this yet. I need to see it play out. This is one of those trades where you got rid of Josh Richardson, who was a very capable shooter, for a less capable shooter who could play slightly better defense, who is slightly more expensive. So how do you evaluate that? I don't fucking know. I don't know. Tatum and Brown, do they become spot-up shooters? Because my man Derek White's not a shooter, and you're one of the worst three-point shooting teams. Your point guard and Marcus Smart couldn't shoot threes, can't shoot threes. Dennis Schroeder, who you got rid of, didn't shoot threes, really. So the hidden bonus, I guess, is that Pritchard, who rarely played the long Schroeder, Peyton Pritchard, point guard out of Oregon, nice kid, uh, gets more minutes. So he gets to expand his role, but believe me, there are potential downsides. Here's what a recent Celtics blogger, who's probably much more in the weeds on this than me, this is what he wrote about this trade. I know I'm right about it, this trade. I will be right two games from now, two months from now, and two years from now. I do not care that we ducked the luxury tax. I do not care that we've collected some trade exceptions. I do care that our current roster is worse and our future outlook is bleak. This was a disaster. Polarizing trade, we'll say. (laughs) Polarizing trade, we'll say. One that will make or break Brad Stevens as a GM. And I think we'll know quite quickly how this ends up working out. Four-way trade. Boom, boom, boom. Detroit Pistons receive Marvin Bagley III, former second pick in the draft, current bust. L.A. Clippers receive Rodney Hood, Sammy Ogile. Milwaukee Bucks receive Serge Ibaka, 2022 second-round pick from Detroit, a 2024 second-round pick from Detroit. Sacramento Kings receive Dante DiVincenzo? Josh Jackson, and Trey Lyles. The Kings somehow won this trade. Don't know how, but they did. Getting Dante DiVincenzo, who's probably one of my favorite players 
in the league, young player, 25 years old, played at Villanova alongside Mikael Bridges. The only reason he's not performing is because he's coming off of a high ankle sprain from the playoffs last year in the Miami Heat series. And that shit, ask me, because I'm going through it as well. High ankle sprains take forever to get healed. Like, you're still not right years later. So Dante DiVincenzo is a slasher. He's a shooter. He can dunk. He can block. He can defend. He is versatile, and he works with almost any roster if he's used properly. And I think with Milwaukee, they haven't been using him well. They're going to have to pay him soon, and they're using Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton as more of a spot-up shooter, three-point kind of role, instead of a guy who's as versatile as Dante, especially since they have Drew Holiday. So I think this fits for the Kings, makes them a lot better. Marvin Bagley gets a fresh start, and he's no longer a King, which I'm sure makes Kings fans super happy. Also, the Milwaukee Bucks get a backup center. They get a backup center for Brooke Lopez. Um, Brooke Lopez has been out all season with a back injury. And so what does that mean for Brooke? I think it means that possibly he's had a setback or two. And if he hasn't had a setback or two, maybe they're worried he will have a setback or two. And they've got some insurance for that. And Ibaka's on an expiring, so if it doesn't work out and Ibaka's health is is struggles, because he's had his own back issues as well, then they can just let him go for nothing. And Dante was going to be going for nothing anyway, so it's kind of a win-win. And also they get the Kings get Josh Jackson, who's a nice little piece. Trey Lyles, nice little piece. He's a Kentucky big man who's kind of been a disappointment, but who knows? Get a little value there. So, that's nice. Also, huge trade. Huge trade I need to talk about under the radar. The Suns get Torrey Craig back. Huge move for them moving into the playoff push as they try to repeat, go back to the finals. Torrey Craig, as you may remember, one of the better pieces in the rotation off the bench for the Suns in the finals and also in the semifinals. Just an incredible, versatile guy who can play small five. He can play four. He can kind of play multiple positions. And they actually got him for nothing last year from the Milwaukee Bucks, funnily enough. And now they get him from the Indiana Pacers for Jalen Smith. They trade their big man who's been playing great. Indiana also wins in this trade. Indiana's sneaky great trade, uh, the trade deadline. Smith, as a starter, has averaged 17.3 points on 58% shooting and 9.5 rebounds in his four starts when DeAndre Ayton or JaVale went, uh, McGee went down. That is the type of production that you could see in a starter if used correctly, which means to me that the Indiana Pacers might make him a core piece of their roster moving forward. And that also means rut row for a guy like Miles Turner, who the world is wondering, are they going to keep him? Are they going to not keep him? This is what Monty Williams says about Torrey Craig. It gives us some wing, it gives us some wing depth. He's a guy that we valued last year. We really liked him from the jump. Very tough to trade Jalen, but those are tough calls to make. You get emotionally tied to all of these guys, but we're excited to get Tory back. Tough decision for us to make and just a part of what we do. And like I said, the Suns also get Aaron Holiday for nothing. They literally got him for nothing. Another backup guard in case campaign goes down, in case, you know, uh, my guy Landry Shamet isn't playing well, which has been basically what's been going on, and he's been injured as well. Phoenix Suns are all in on this year. They've increased depth in the center position and they've increased depth in the guard position. I tell you what, sneaky moves that are getting made on the margins that help them win it big. Uh, Let's see what else is here. Dennis Schroeder goes to Houston. 
Dennis Schroeder will probably be bought out by Houston if it doesn't quote-unquote work out. And on top of that, that means most likely that the Lakers will try to get Dennis Schroeder back for nothing in the buyout, which means Dennis Schroeder could potentially be playing for the L.A. Lakers where he didn't want to go for less than $5 million when he turned down $74 million to play for them for four years or something like that. That is incredible. Imagine ending up back where you started for a quarter of the amount that you turned down. That is sad. That is sad moves, and now you got to go back with AD, who you didn't like. you got to now play with Russell Westbrook, who you most likely are going to be competing with, LeBron James, who you had friction with, and all the while Magic Johnson is going to be tweeting away about how he always hated you, and now you're back on this team. He told you you weren't a winner. You weren't supposed to be back. Amazing. Delicious. For the T. For the memes, incredible. Incredible. Also, Raptors. The Raptors made some moves. They got rid of Goran Dragic, and they got Thad Young. San Antonio Spurs received Goran Dragic, a 2022 first-round pick, lottery protected, top 13 protected in 2023, and it turns into two seconds if it's not conveyed. The Raptors get Thaddeus Young, Drew Eubanks, a 2022 second-round pick, And boy, they wanted to get done with Goran Dragic. He's most likely going to be bought out, most likely going to head to Dallas, play with Luka because they're Slovenian brothers. That's what they like. And what does that mean for Spencer Dinwiddie? Rut row. That's what that means. means you better hope that Goran Dragic gets injured again. That's what that means. Uh, Raptors are on the hook for what's left of Thaddeus Young's $14 They might end up buying him out, but they might end up just keeping him around. And he's 6'8". So, you know, he fits. Somebody said this. They said, I thought he was already on this roster. <laughs> ah, I love that. I love that. And, of course, the big trade. Arvi- uh, Arvidas. DeMontis Sabonis for Tyrese Halliburton and Heald. Indiana Pacers receive Halliburton, Heald, Tristan Thompson. Kings receive DeMontis Sabonis, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, a 2023 second-round pick protected for numbers 56 through 60. Indiana just keeps making moves. How do you get a guy who was completely off the table? Tyrese Halliburton was supposed to be an untradeable piece. He was supposed to be ungettable. The only guy you can't even touch. And somehow, some way, Sabonis ends up going there. I love this for the Pacers. They clearly stated that they want to build this team around Halliburton. Now you've got Chris Duarte. Who knows what you do with Malcolm Brogdon now in the offseason? Maybe you can move him because I don't think you can use them all. You've got multiple guards that can do different things, and you probably now you have multiple picks as well from this trade, getting rid of Karis LeVert. I love this. And now you also get Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith you get, who is the 10th pick in the draft, and he has some upside, and the Pacers now have flexibility with him as well. I love this. I love this for both sides. Now you get De'Aaron Fox with Sabonis. Good stuff. We talked about already C.J. McCollum. We've already talked about Norm Powell in Portland. We've already talked about Nikhil Alexander-Walker for Joe Ingles. We've already talked about Karis LeVert. Here's an interesting one, though. Casey Akpala from the Miami Heat. Yeah, why is it interesting, you might say? Because this is why the Heat and the Thunder have some of the best front offices in the league. And they run circles around everyone else because they know how to skirt the rules and they know how to make moves. Here's the deal. Casey Akpala was a guy that the Miami Heat were high on. 
They spent multiple second-round picks to get him a couple of years ago. Didn't end up turning out, obviously. He, he did not pan out at all the way that they hoped. He's barely played. So the Miami Heat traded him to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City received KZ Akpala, and Miami Heat received a 2026 second-round pick, right? But then they put this interesting little nugget of information into their memo that they already owe 2023 through 2026. So if you owe a first-round pick to a team, but it's not, but there's a, a level of like one, there's a level of protection that if it doesn't go through, then it goes to the next year. You cannot trade any of those future first-round picks because that might be owed to Oklahoma City. So you can't rob from Peter to pay Paul, essentially. So what they did was change the protections on those picks that give the Miami Heat back this year's pick and next year's pick. So they only owe a 2024 and 2025 to the Oklahoma City Thunder. So this year and next year they get themselves. It's their own. They own their own first-round picks. So if they want, they can trade their own first-round this year and their own first round next year with some maneuvering. They have to do even more finagling in order to do that to then go and trade for another big free agent or another star that wants to come there or move up in the draft and get probably Paolo Bencaro or something like that. It's insane. The Heat needed to convert Caleb Martin from a two-way contract to a full contract or lose him, so Akpala was going to go anywhere. He was going to go. Akpala's draft rights cost the Heat three second round picks in 2019 and that was kind of garbage so the real reason like I said for this trade by is being pointed out by CBS is that it frees up Miami from the restrictive rules about trading first round picks due to something called the Stepien rule super complicated because the heat already owed Oklahoma City a protected first rounder it freezes the heat from trading any of their future first rounders until 2028 because it's not really known when that pick was going to convey so amendment of this trade allows Miami and says that the pick Miami owes will not convey until at least 2025 and now they can trade their 2022 or 2023 picks a lot of work and a lot of little maneuvering that shows you that Sam Presti and Pat Riley are way ahead. Like things that front offices would never even know to do until guys like them do it for them. The interesting thing, finally, there's so much to get to. We're not going to get to it all. But I do want to say that what's fascinating to me about this trade deadline is the trades that didn't go through. The trades that didn't go through mean probably more than the trades that did. One, everybody was talking about Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant was the bell of the ball for months. Turns out Detroit likes Jeremy Grant enough that the only way that they were going to get rid of him was with two first-round picks. And on top of that, Jeremy Grant has one more year left on his contract, and he wants like a $115 million deal for four years. That's a lot of fucking money. And for people who think Jeremy Grant might be available in two years— what do I want to give him two first-round picks for him? I'll just go and get him myself because you're not going to probably pay him that. So nobody ended up making that deal. And Detroit is sitting there with Jeremy Grant, and they end up probably getting nothing. But also Troy Weaver, the GM of the Detroit Pistons, recruited Jeremy to go there. They have a good relationship. Jeremy Grant wants to play for a black GM. He's publicly stated that. 
and Detroit is on the rise. So what happens to Jeremy Grant? Does Portland go out and try to get him in free agency? Does Portland give one first-round pick for Jeremy Grant to get his rights? Is that how they end up doing it? Is that what's in store for them? All very, very interesting moves. I thought that was fascinating. John Collins was supposed to come to Washington. Meanwhile, Bradley Beal was at having wrist surgery all day during the trade deadline, woke up and found out, like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, that everybody was gone. Spence was gone. Montrez was gone. Everybody's gone. Where'd they go? Into the ether. Boom. And now Bradley Beal is stuck with players that he probably doesn't going to play with well. He's off for the rest of the year. He's a free agent. Who knows? So that's fascinating. John Collins was supposed to be there. They couldn't find a third team to make that trade happen. And now Washington is in purgatory. Uh, The Lakers. The Lakers, 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 Lakers. I said this today to uh, someone who asked me about the NBA. I believe it was the Rochester Radio Network. And they said, how do you feel about the Lakers losing to your Blazers? And I said, well, I would love the joy and satisfaction and happiness that I get from watching my favorite team succeeding. But we're pushing P, of course, but a close second, a close second is watching the Lakers fail. Like I get it like 90% of the joy that I get from watching the Blazers succeed as I do from watching the Lakers fail. So this is kind of all I have. You know, my team's never going to succeed anytime, probably in my prime of my life. I'll probably be in a wheelchair by the time we're contending. But I know the Lakers are going to be in trouble for a long time. I can soak this up and enjoy this. And the fact that they didn't make one move and the fact that they could have made a move and they idiotically did not make a move, here's what the trade was, folks. Houston offered John Wall to the L.A. Lakers. All you had to do was trade Russell Westbrook and trade your 2027 2027 first-round pick. And the Lakers said no. Mm, 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 mm. Apparently, John Wall looks really good right now. He can shoot. He can play make. He can can defend a little bit. He's fast. And he can speed up and slow down, unlike Russell Westbrook, who can only speed up. And I tell you what, he's really good around the rim. He probably is a much better fit than Russ right now. Just as expensive. But because the Lakers didn't want to give a first-round pick that's in five years from now, They decided to stay pat and continue to spiral downward. Just remember, LeBron James will be a free agent two years from now. I do not think this team is going to contend because that's the same period that Russell Westbrook becomes a free agent, and I think that deal was the only way you could have gotten it done. Here's what – it was supposed to be actually Taylor Horton Tucker in that trade as well. Apparently they maybe would have done the deal for Eric Gordon as well with John Wall. That would have changed the team, but apparently that was just – a bridge too far for the Lakers. This is what Clutch Points just dropped. Rob Palinka said that there was alignment between him, LeBron, Anthony Davis to not make a move. And that's a lie. And that's a lie. I am told from a source familiar with LeBron and AD's thinking that this is, quote, totally false. <laughs> there was no conversation between the three on Thursday. Rob Palinka continues to impress. There is... You think that there's, like, nothing more he can do to make himself look any worse? And then he does it. Who can do that? It's, like, impressive. You had one one chance. Like, you know how when you're on a chessboard 
and like you've got one move or it's checkmate, like you've got one possible move to get yourself back to life and then you don't do it. That's Rob Palinka all the time though, all the time. And somehow like the, the chessboard has a shift where there's another one move and he just won't make it. He's determined to let this franchise fail. I swear to God, I cannot wait to DVR LeBron James's next press, next press conference when they ask him about this because LeBron just got beaten by the Portland Trailblazers, who are a shell of themselves. They literally have nobody. Mike Wilbon called us an MCAA team. He said that on national television, and we beat the Lakers with Anthony Davis and LeBron James. LeBron James said, I need some wine and a night's sleep. We need are not on the same level as the Milwaukee Bucks. Delicious. We will not be on the same level with the Milwaukee Bucks. And they basically signaled that they wanted to make a move. And then, and then Rob Plinka comes out here and tries to parade a lie in front of us and say, oh, we were all aligned. And that is fucking false. I cannot wait, Lakerland, the joy that I need, that I am eating and, and becoming satisfied from of your failure is enough to keep me satiated from now until my 80s when when the Blazers find their way to getting the next Damian Lillard that they can not build around. Apparently there was another trade that was on the table. Sabonis for Aiton? What? Zach Lowe reports that the Suns and Pacers had discussions about a Damana Sabonis-DeAndre Aiton trade. The Pacers and Phoenix Suns had a brief dialogue around Sabonis and Aiton, multiple sources say. It did not get far. Pause. Yeah, because DeAndre Aiton's a much better player defensively than Sabonis. Like, what are we talking about? Uh, But mostly informal and broadly exploratory and aimed at the future rather than anything now. No formal offer was ever made. The Kings coming with Halliburton rendered everything else moot. The Suns not immediately hanging up the phone and tossing it off of a high-story window. Uh, even in the off season, though, is something to think about. I tell you what, Yusuf Nurkic for Aiton? Ah, oh boy, oh boy! I don't hate that. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. A girl can dream. I can. A girl can dream. That's all the time that we have for the heat check. We'll be back Monday with a new episode. Please don't forget to download, subscribe, tell all your friends. Every damn one of them. Follow us at the these. This key check interest to crick on TikTok. Man, these in this line are hard to talk. It is it is a stunning phenomenon that I'm able to get through these episodes with the in this line. Thank you so much for joining me, my friends. We'll be back Monday. Yeah.